Look who finally decided to post another episode, huh? <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, guys. Um, looks like this one was recorded on October 26th, but I just got a new job, so I'm settling into that in the middle of moving um, apartments and all that stuff, so very busy time. I'm down to one iPhone charging cord from the five that I have, so that's a good start. But yeah, I just wanted to say uh, thank you guys for a fantastic year. We finally hit my goal of over 100 listeners per episode. I think we're at 103.7 or something like that. So very grateful. Uh, Make sure you guys start taking care of yourselves over the holiday season. Make sure you're hitting the gym, working off that Thanksgiving turkey. You know, you got seasonal depression. You got the cold, the frostbite, all that stuff, especially if you live in Minnesota like me or in Alaska like this next guest, which is Melinda Lyons, otherwise known as the last frontier medium for the first time in paranormal paralysis history, our long six or seven month history together, uh, psychic medium. Pretty good interview. I had to split it up into parts because it's almost two gigs total and I can only upload one per episode, unfortunately. So it is split up into parts, but if you want to listen to the whole thing start to finish, Melinda will be posting that on her YouTube channel, The Last Frontier Medium, and I will also include links to that in the description for this episode. Anyways, I got to get going because it's about five in the morning and I need to move all my stuff into the storage unit. So (laughs) have a good Christmas. I will see you guys in January. For the first time in paranormal paralysis's history, our very first psychic guest all the way from Alaska A special welcome to Melinda, or as some of you may know her on social media, The Last Frontier Medium. How are you? Pretty good. I'm really glad to be here. Good. Yeah, definitely definitely excited to have you. I've wanted to get a psychic on here for quite some time, but I haven't found one that's, I guess, personable, we'll say. (laughs) (laughs) But awesome. So you are... You're living in Alaska right now. What is that like? Um, the usual sled dogs, North, really? North Pole, igloos. No, <laughs> 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 I always, I always screw uh, people and tell them, oh yeah, yeah. And that people will be asking like, how do you, how do you commute to work or how do you commute to school or stores? Yeah. I'd be like, oh, it takes a few miles to get to the nearest store and, uh-huh. and we usually end up uh, having to use sled dogs and people will believe it. A lot of people <laughs> don't even realize that we even have summer. I mean, we're, yeah. we have fall still and it did snow one time uh, early October, but then it just faded and now we're, we're back in mm-hmm. regular fall weather, but we do have beautiful summers here, absolutely beautiful. And that's actually one of the biggest reasons why even some celebrities come up here to explore Alaska to get that whole wilderness feel. Um, mm-hmm. Or they'll, a lot of people come up here just for the winter, just for skiing and snowboarding and all these other things that you can do. It's, it's beautiful up here. Um, we, don't, we don't have a lot of like like big city living, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alaskans, most Alaskans are up here because like people choose to come up here because they like the quiet. They don't like all the yeah. drama in the lower 48. So mm. yeah, that makes sense. Is it true you guys have to leave your cars running like 24 seven during the winter so they don't freeze or whatever? Oh, well that's partially true, but no, not running. Um, but okay. okay so like, here in Anchorage, I live in Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, okay. So in Anchorage, 
it's different weather temperature from, let's say, Fairbanks. So I used to live yeah. in Fairbanks for a little while when I went to college, and I have family there. Well, I did have family there. Uh-huh. And in, in Anchorage, it can get to, like, negative 10, negative like or yeah. at zero yeah. um but but the average in fairbanks for winter can be negative 45 and wow. it's extremely <laughs> cold <laughs> so like you can actually take your car and run it and it will be completely frozen if like water like you know how like when it gets hot and then it starts to steam up and uh-huh. it can all that steam will just freeze instantly on the windows, on the car, even wow. on your door handles if you're not careful. And then you need to chip <laughs> away to to get into your vehicle, um, like you let it running. But yeah, if you do uh-huh. stop the vehicle, yeah, you're gonna have a hard time turning it back on because uh, like every single store. Now again, it's not here in Anchorage, but like in. Fairbanks, they have these, uh, all these plug-in places for every parking spot. So, and you use them for winter. So you actually do have to plug in your car everywhere you go, because if you don't plug it in during the winter, it's not going Mm. to start and you're, you're stranded. (laughs) Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. No, the other thing I know about Alaska is it has those weird, like sun cycles or whatever is the city you live in anchorage right Mm -hmm. is that part of like you guys have however many days of straight like sunlight during the summer and then a bunch of straight days of darkness in the winter is that applicable to anchorage as well yeah yeah so i mean those are those are really good questions um i actually appreciate that because it educates (laughs) people uh but actually yeah so all of Alaskans will experience that um, in other parts of the world, but primarily, yeah, Alaska. So like during the summer, the sun will stay up for longer periods of time to the point where at some point in the summer between, I think it's June or July and there'll be one day of the year and the sun will never go down. And (laughs) you get really used to it though, but it really screws with your hours. There's even Alaskans who will put like tinfoil on their windows. So that way, like if you're really, really broke, but like right, to right. stop the sun from getting into your house when you're trying huh. to sleep. But, the, you know, they have like those, what, blackout, the black, the blackout curtains, the blackout kind of curtains. Yeah. Um, but like in winter, yeah, like right now it's October and it's almost November and mm-hmm. I'm already noticing my daughter, we're all noticing like, oh no, the sun's going down. And we feel yeah. like, <laughs> like, oh no, because we're going to lose our sun. And it, and the thing is, is that's one of the biggest reasons why a lot of people, can't can't stand alaska it's not so much Mm -hmm. really the winter it's it's the darkness with the winter so it's it gets really dark so yeah even in the winter time there'll be that one day of the year where the sun never comes up and it's just dark and you get really used to it but the biggest thing you really have to worry about is like people drinking a lot because alcohol is a really big problem up here. And then also moose, (laughs) you have to worry about moose everywhere (laughs) you go. That's like probably the biggest thing is because Alaskans struggle with that because depression kicks in in the winter time Mm -hmm. and especially during the holidays. And that can be really hard on people, especially if you don't, if you're not surrounded by people that you love and you're happy or if you're at least content Mm -hmm. or busy, yeah, that can be pretty hard. But when you're living here, I mean, I was actually born here. And then I moved a little bit to, I, w- I moved to North Carolina when I was two. And then okay. we went to Colorado and then came back here. 
but yeah, I've been here for over 20 years and you, you get used to it. You really, and then you go to like other states and you're like, the sun's not supposed to go down yet. It's too early. And it's right. like, <laughs> seven at night, and I'm like, it's supposed to be up and it, you, you don't get, it's your time. Your time is so different from everywhere else. Yeah. So you moved to Carolina or North Carolina when you went to, when did you move back to Alaska? At what age? So it was at 2000 when I came back. So I was, oh my God, my math is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think I was between the ages of 14, 15 when I came back here, around 13, 14, something like that. And yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, as a, as a teen, as a young teen, it was, it was, um, it was definitely exciting because I've never like, I mean, we lived in Colorado, so we had mountains and everything. But the mm-hmm. winter here and the summer here is so different from, oh, my God, my house is making that stupid creaky noise. But I don't know if you can hear that. But, like, the the weather here is so different from other states even that have winter. And the mm-hmm. mountains are way bigger here. And we live in Anchorage, so, like, it almost seems as if you're living in, like, a, a giant bowl. Or I think that's yeah. more of Fairbanks. I can't remember. I'd have to look at a map again, (laughs) but yeah. I don't know if you would have recognized this really since you were, you know, pretty young at the time, but did you ever notice like there being more of seasonal depression kind of stuff going on up in Alaska with the super long drawn out days of darkness, I guess, compared to, you know, your time down in the States? You know, when I was down the other States, I was a kid, so I didn't really focus on things that adults would um yeah but uh but i mean i still dealt with depression even as a child and that is a stupid float plane <laughs> going over the house <laughs> they're very popular in alaska they're right. really annoying um i mean I, it's so hard to film i swear to god it's so hard to film i have to stop like every 10 minutes even in the middle of the mm. night there'll be planes going over the house i'm like really, oh, really? <laughs> uh, it's so annoying a little midnight flight <laughs> yeah midnight flight <laughs> Okay, so like every state, every place has different situations, different things that they face with and different laws, Mm -hmm. things like that. And there's a different level of culture in every state we live in. Yeah. And Alaska, uh, most Alaskans, uh, when they've been here a long time, they're completely used to it and they just accept it and then they find beauty in it. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the times like living in the winter here versus other states – there, you know, you'll hear other people when they come up here and they'll be like, oh, I'm just not used to the winter or I'm not used to the sun. And they'll yeah. be like, how do you handle it? And be like, well, you just find something you're passionate about and you just accept the way that it is. And, you know, one thing that helps us get through the winter in the first portion of it is the holidays. So you got Thanksgiving, Christmas, but that also can be the highest rise for suicide and, and even crime. Uh, yeah. I mean, we do have you know, gangs up here. So a lot of people are surprised by that. They always think we're we're just a bunch of mountain men up here in the woods, you know, having an outhouse and stuff with a moon on it. But we don't, we don't live like that. I mean, there are people that live like that. It's pretty pretty epic. Uh, I dated one like that. I'll never do it again. (laughs) I was like, no, I like bathrooms that flush. I like toilets that flush. But, but that's like, I mean, for me personally, like I, I have 
I have gone through the whole alcohol bit, but when mm. you get older, you realize, you know, that's not making you happy. That's not healthy. You're not living a contentful, happy life. And, and I think it really takes a person, personal responsibility to face those things and then to yeah. deal with it in their own way as best they can. So I can't speak for everybody, but that's what mm. I've noticed. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that was a, a longer intro than usual, but... <laughs> Definitely very, very interesting stuff. Yeah, I've never, I don't think I've actually met anyone that's lived in Alaska before, or even like been there really. So <laughs> it's interesting. So you are a psychic, right? Yes. Yes. In your opinion, what does it mean to be a psychic? Like, what would you classify someone who says they're a psychic? What? I guess, abilities would you say they would have? Okay, so when people say they're psychic, I evaluate, okay, what do you, what do you determine as psychic? Mm-hmm. And I'll listen to the person and evaluate their experiences. And I'll, most often, especially people here in AK, they'll say that they feel like they have some higher sense of, of sensibility of maybe they feel like they have you know, intuition, but we all have intuition. That's part of our psychic abilities. And we all have telepathy. That's how we can communicate through thought. And a lot of people don't realize that. For example, if two people are far apart and they start thinking about each other randomly, they haven't spoken to each other in three years, but they happen to still be thinking about each other. And then one happens to call and says, Hey, I've been thinking about you. And then the person goes, Oh my God, I've been thinking about you. Mm -hmm. That's the power of telepathy and psychic connection. Because each person has the psychic ability, it's all about meditating and harnessing and heightening that sensibility in our psychic soul DNA. So when I explain what it means to be psychic, for me personally, that's how I describe it. Because we all have psychic ability, but not everyone is open to using that muscle, that psychic muscle. Yeah. Is that kind of along the lines of, you know, people saying they've opened their third eye is that like kind of all along the lines of what you're saying yeah absolutely now everyone is going to have their third eye open in different ways for me mine was my near-death experience at 18 mm-hmm. and when my third eye opened it was because you know my spirit guides opened my third eye for me but everyone will have a third eye opening sometimes even from birth, uh, sometimes from a traumatic experience, from typically maybe of death of a loved one, out of desperation to wanting to communicate and reconnect with this loved one. Mm-hmm. And the third eye is basically the center part of the, of the soul, of the eye, basically the center of your forehead. Mm-hmm. And that is where your third eye, you can start having psychic sight, where that's typically clairvoyance, where you can see things. So there's several different psychic abilities. There's clairvoyance, which is sight, clairaudience, which is hearing, claircognizant, which is knowing, and clairgustance, um, and I can't remember which one. I think that's one smell. <laughs> I, I have all of them. and But there's actually quite mm. a few others that I, I have a hard time even remembering. And most psychics won't even know them all. No. That's something. It's all about personal education and just studying about it, studying, studying more, learning more about yourself and the potentialities to your abilities. Every single person mm-hmm. can have their third eye open. Um, but what really does enhance the third eye to make it more clear for your visions and your, your meetings with your guys like your spirit guides is meditation 
And a lot of, amongst other things too, like your lifestyle really makes a difference. Uh, having negative people in your life really makes a difference. Uh, how you eat, how, what you consume, how you digest things in your mind and in your soul, like in your emotions, how you process your emotions. There's a lot of psychological things that do come into play at the same time. Your psychological well-being, your emotional well-being, not just your physical, but everything. Like it's really mind, body, and soul. Uh, without all of those things in balance and being grounded in yourself, the average person can struggle a lot maintaining and strengthening their third eye. It's, it's pretty common. Have you always had like these abilities or was there a certain point that you like sought to progress more, I guess, and being able to use the abilities? I do think that my psychic abilities were always there. I mean, technically they are. So I mm -hmm. think a lot of the times they were dormant, but when I was a kid, when we moved to this one particular house, I would have vivid nightmares of this person coming into our home and breaking into our home and shooting my entire family and uh, there were times where my brothers told me that, you see that stain on the, on the floor in the rug? And I'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, that's not soda. And I'd be like, what is that? And they'd be like, it's blood. Someone died here. But I never oh. told them my dreams. And like I was a yeah. kid, though. I didn't know that what I was seeing was a psychic interaction with another entity, probably a dead person human soul. I still don't know who that mm -hmm. was, like what that was, but I didn't want to explore it. I was a child. I just wanted it to stop and I wanted to right, feel safe sure again. Enough. But like, as I got older, when I reached, you know, at 18, I did have a near death experience where I had, I suddenly became allergic to beef out of the blue and I ended mm -hmm. up having anaphylaxis. Anyone who doesn't know, it's where your throat closes up from hives happening internally within your body and in your throat. And I suffocated and I ended up collapsing with a bunch of EMTs around me. And it sucks because they were really hot. And now it's like, great, this is, <laughs> this is not fair universe. And I, ended up, I was like, really, you're going to do that to me? Really? Um, but it was, it was like such a dramatic moment, but I remember mm. it was like being on the moon. There was no oxygen. I couldn't breathe. And then huh. after that experience, I ended up, collapsing and my boyfriend at the time who was present who was a witness to the whole thing he swore he said no. I stopped breathing for a few seconds he thought I was they all thought I was dead and wow. uh, when I finally woke up he said it felt like way too many long minutes they were surprised that I even woke up I don't know how long mm. it was but I do know that after that like I woke up and I told my mom I said mom and I was in the hospital my whole family was surrounding me it was so weird and I remember yeah. going mom I know this not, and I didn't tell anyone but my mother and I said I need to say something and she was like what is it and I said I think I saw Jesus and she goes what and I went huh. I know it sounds weird but I I think I saw Jesus like god or something and i and me being a religious kid at the yeah. time i was even weirded by that i was kind of spooked by it and then she said she said uh -huh. well honey that might have been the the medicine because they gave you benadryl and too much benadryl can make you hallucinate now i'm not like discrediting my mom mm -hmm. or blaming yeah. my mom but like when she said that she was just trying to be rational and i understood it but to me at that time i mm -hmm. i just shut it out and what I didn't remember 
uh, for many years was that once all that memory came back of that visitation with these guides, with angels in heaven, I found out that mm-hmm. they told me, you're going to block it out for a long time and you're not going to remember it. And I think it was 10 or 11 years that they told me I'd block it out. And sure enough, within that exact time frame, I remembered and I was spooked when I remembered that conversation. I did the math and I went, oh my God, they were right. Yeah. And I remember even telling JC, I, Yehoshua, <laughs> Jesus, and I was like, no, I'm going to remember. He was like, no, you're not going to remember. You're going to block it out. I was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to remember. But yeah. the reason why I blocked it out was because I didn't want to seem crazy because like anyone that I knew that was labeled psycho went to, you know, a psychiatric ward. I didn't want to do that. But honestly, at the same time, like I was glad that I did that because I wanted to be a kid. I didn't want to experience all those things at the time. But I will say after my NDE, I started having paranormal experiences where I actually saw you know, a full body apparition of a man who looked real in our living room, who turned out to be, to be this guy who was dead at my mother's bar down the street. And it's called the hideaway. It's it's a nice little nook of a, of a bar. It's a small bar, but like it came from inside, like from outside the house of summer, it was not spooky or nothing. And I go (laughs) into the living room and I see that there's this man sitting on the couch and mm-hmm. he has a beard. He has um, this checker kind of shirt. He has overalls. And I don't believe he had a hat on, but I can't remember that detail. But I do know that that's how this man dressed. He didn't say a word to me. I just saw him. He looked completely normal. He looked like a full body person. I really thought he was real. And I mm-hmm. acknowledged him. I went high. And I was quickly going to the kitchen to grab something. When I went and passed by him to the, get to the kitchen, All of a sudden, I immediately heard in my head, turn around. And I turned around. The guy was gone. And I went, what? And I was like, no, where did he go? And I looked through the entire house and there was no sign of him. I said, maybe he went to the bathroom. Maybe he went outside. I ran around. And my mom, knowing I just had an NDE, like I nearly died. She's like, are you okay? What's wrong? Are you okay? And I said, yeah, um... I don't know how to say this. And she was like, what's wrong? And I said, I think I saw a ghost. And she goes, what? (laughs) And I said, I think I saw a ghost. And I explained the whole thing to her. And I described what this man looked like. And she said, hold on a minute. She didn't say anything else. She goes to her filing cabinet, grabs a picture from her files. And then she ends up handing me the picture and says, is this the man you saw? And I said, yes, that's exactly what he looked like. And she gave me this creepy, her, like her face was just like, oh my God. And she said, honey, I don't know how else to tell you this, but this is the guy who used to be the owner of the hideaway bar and he died years ago. And I went, what? (laughs) And and it was, and I, I'm not sure if it was a murder. I think it was. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was it was definitely a spooky experience. But ever since then, I started having all kinds of paranormal experiences that you can't have without your third eye open. Typically, I mean, you can. Don't get me wrong; mm-hmm. you absolutely you absolutely can. But seeing spirits, full body apparitions like that, typically uh, will only happen one of two reasons: either a your third eye is open and you can see them easier, or b 
the entity uh, did this intentionally for you to see them to start opening things up for you. And I think that's actually what really was going on with me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's what initiated my third eye uh, even more um, after my NDE because this was like right after. So I think it was a little bit of both because it really felt like it was a message from them. Like, Hey, you can see dead people get used to it. It's going to happen. And I remember telling the spirit, I was like, do not show up like a full body average never again. It's so bad. But now it's funny because now it doesn't, it doesn't phase me at all. I'm actually bummed when they don't do it now. Yeah. (laughs) Do you do any ghost hunting or anything along those lines? No, there's a part of me where I really want to, you know, to help Mm -hmm. paranormal investigators to get the information they need to validate things of the land of the location, because Mm -hmm. that that is, that is something I have always wanted to do, but I've never been given the opportunity, but I've, Mm -hmm. I've always thought it would be nice, but I'm also really picky on what group because not all paranormal investigation groups, uh, do it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And I'm very particular because my ever since connecting with spirits, uh, my biggest philosophy is respecting the dead. And yeah. if you just go to a location uh, just for the entertainment of it, I, I, I can't be a part of that. But if it's to like help a family or a workplace um, employees of a location or something like that, Um, or to give validation to other certain people who may be dealing with, like, let's say they go to abandoned uh, hospital and this happens a lot. And then maybe they end up experiencing attachments, possible attachments, and they're being haunted. And if they want vindication or validation for that, then yeah, I would be a part of something like that to help them and to help them identify what the entity is, like who it is and why it's happening, how it happened. But yeah, I mean, um, there's not very many paranormal investigation groups up here uh, at all, but there are a lot of haunted locations. And I was planning, I was always thinking about going to this one haunted hotel here in Anchorage. It's it's super haunted. Um, I mean, people actually come from all over the world to come to this one hotel. And my Mm -hmm. sister even went there one time, my twin sister. She went there and it was extremely haunted to the point where the spirit actually followed her home. And we were roommating at the time. And I I encountered the same spirit to the point where it it was shocking. Like all kinds of things started happening. The water would turn on and off by itself. Lights would flicker by themselves. The radio would turn on and off by itself. Doors would open and close by themselves. And we'd hear this woman whimper all the time. Came to the point where we got so annoyed. We're like, would you just shut the F up already? Just stop. And it came to the point where we were done. We were like, just stop. That's when we, that's when I also like, I look back and I'm like, man, we really, because she's very psychic too, but she does not want to open up to it. But Mm. But that's something that I, I have noticed is a pattern of mine. But I know you're asking about paranormal investigations, but I mean, I was thinking about going to that one location. I mm-hmm. just haven't gotten around to it because one of the biggest reasons why it keeps stopping to me is because it's always full, like packed for months in advance. You have yeah, to, you yeah, have to, a lot of a lot of those places. Yeah, especially even during the winter. Um, it doesn't yeah. matter what time of year. You have to plan like six, seven months in advance. It's crazy mm. how early you have to plan. So you mentioned you saw the 
apparition of the old bar owner right after your third eye opened. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, well, a lot of people like just the people on YouTube that you watch who are like, oh, this is a tutorial how to open your third eye, third eye meditation, whatever it is. But the common theme I've noticed just from pretty much everyone who says or does stuff like that is they say that you can't really prepare yourself or you can try to prepare yourself to see like what they call the shadow people or whatever, which I'm sure you've heard of before. But do you still find it shocking when you see apparitions and stuff like that? Or have you kind of gotten used to it from that point on, I guess? I've seen more than I (laughs) wanted to. I will say this in reference to a lot of the mediums that talk about how to open your third eye. Mm -hmm. I think those channels are really helpful because there are a lot of people out there that have no idea the beginners of it and they want some kind of guidance because maybe they Mm -hmm. didn't really have anything that really triggered that monumental moment to happen and for the third eye to just rupture because that's really what it is it just forces your but what is it when it means to open your third eye not just a longing to want to open it but it's like this burning passionate desire for a purpose Mm -hmm. and that's how I've always identified it because when you really think about it why do people go into paranormal investigations? Because they had something happen to them that made them decide or, or realize, oh my God, there's more to life than this physical matter around us and what we are. So yeah. I really want to explore that. And that's kind of like a, a physical way of explaining the metaphysical aspects of your third eye. Mm-hmm. A lot of them can be at a disadvantage too. those channels because they're not really helping people at the same time. The biggest thing that I have an issue with is they don't encourage meditation more. Even when they do encourage meditation, they keep encouraging people to meditate through a structured way with like, oh, these Mm -hmm. are the prayers or, or mantras or how you open your chakras. They make it so constructive and organized that it puts too much pressure on people. And if people ask me, how do you meditate? How did you open your third eye? And it's like, I didn't even try. It was just natural. It just happened because of all these things. And I was very fortunate for that. But my biggest thing like, is when a person wants to open their third eye, you just have this burning desire to want to see. And, and you have to, and yeah, you are right about that. You can't be prepared. There's nothing to prepare you for what you're about to see. Because once you say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to see. And one, you have to be verbally outspoken. You have to say that out loud. Okay, I want to start seeing. I want my third eye open. When you make that declaration to the universe, the universe will work in a way for your benefit for that to start happening. If that's what your heart wants, if that's what you really feel, and that's what you're absolutely ready for, even if you feel like you're prepared, you're not prepared. Because <laughs> it's there. that's true. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that you will see and hear and experience that will be amazing, but most often very scary. Mm-hmm. Now, people always say mm-hmm. when uh, you have your third eye open that it's uh, dangerous. Oh, it's evil. It's satanic. It's uh, against 
God. And the issue with that is the reason Mm -hmm. why there's so much negative stigma on opening your third eye is because a lot of people don't understand that the reason why you get negative experiences most often is because you're not raising your vibration to see the positive things. So that's where meditation comes in. Mm -hmm. But the other aspect too that really is an issue, a common issue, is there are a lot of lower vibrational entities like earthbound spirits that maybe they used to be murderers, child molesters, rapists, uh, criminals, and people that that do not want to ascend because they want to just, after they die, they just want to take advantage of all the living people. And those, those kinds mm. of spirits, those ghosts, spirits, will most definitely uh, attack people who are more susceptible psychically who are more likely to give them the fear that they need because they can see they can respond they can experience and they and they can give them the reaction mm-hmm. they want demons are the same way and that's what i te- that's what i teach often as a demonologist too and as an mm-hmm. astral exorcist so and that's the thing is to educate the public mm-hmm. on the fact that the third eye is not dangerous but it can, it's, it's just like when you go out of your house, you want to be prepared for anything. You don't want to just leave your home and assume that you're not going to get, you know, hit by a car. Uh, you know, don't, you know, there's Mm. rules in life. You have to be sure that, okay, you're not dangling your cash in the air. You're not saying, Hey guys, I have over a thousand dollars in my hand. Don't rob me. Okay. Just because you go outside, (laughs) you want to hide that stuff in your pocket. You don't want people to know. And you want to be cautious. Mm. You want to have precautions. And it's just like when you leave the house, you want to do things that don't uh, highlight you to be a a, a target. But at the same time, you want to... You want to learn to be made aware on how to protect yourself. And that's one of the biggest things about the third eye is a lot of people don't teach that, hey, once you open your third eye, you are going to see negative things. And this is why. And, you know, Mm -hmm. talking more about that, I probably will make another video on my channel about it because that is definitely (laughs) something that a lot of people misconstrued, especially in the Christian community. And I used to be Christian. Mm. There's nothing against anyone who is. But uh, there is a lot of misconceptions and harsh um, stereotypes that aren't necessarily true when you open your third eye. But um, as far as like, I will get to that one point you made about shadow people. You don't have to have your third Mm. eye open to see shadow people. There are shadow figures uh, that you can see Mm. with or and without your third eye because the, the more dense a negative spirit is, uh, the easier it is for anyone, even if their third eye isn't open, to see them. In fact, shadow people are a specific entity outside of shadow figures. Uh, shadow people, mm-hmm. um, from what I've discovered from my with my guides and encountering a few shadow people, which was very very scary. Mm-hmm. They are actually a multi-dimensional entity. They are neither metaphysical mm-hmm. nor physical. They can actually be both. So they are almost like an alien type of spirit. So they can actually kidnap people that are living and drag them through Mm. a portal and you'll never see them again which is actually horrifying yeah would you classify those as like demons or are they are you talking about something that's just completely different than what people normally would describe like a shadow person as because usually you hear like it's a person's spirit or something or it's a demon or whatever but yeah no you're right um they are completely different Demons are 
Demons and devils are completely different from shadow people. In fact, even mm-hmm. demons don't like to be around shadow people. Really? I know it sounds weird, but it's not because demons are afraid of them. It's because what shadow people can do. Shadow, And I don't like talking about shadow people because they'll show up. It, from what I've discovered, like... And I actually, there was an instance in um, one of my astral experiences where I actually mm-hmm. did encounter a shadow person. The thing about demons versus shadow people is demons actually have a face. Shadow people don't have a face at all. Hmm. Shadow people are completely black uh, from head to toe, and it's almost like a shiny black. And it almost looks pretty, but the thing is, is when you look at them, they have no eyes, no nose, no no contouring of their face, nothing. Yeah. And what's even more alarming is that shadow people, a lot of them used to be human. But mm. they were kidnapped by shadow people. And that's why we call them people. That's why they look like people. Yeah. And these are a whole different level of entity that when they are put into this other dimension... The thing about it is shadow people have their own different realm, and it's not like hell at all. It's actually completely different. I actually have seen it. I've, mm-hmm. I was there one time, and it was so horrifyingly creepy. It really was bad because their whole level of consciousness becomes controlled, and they become puppets, and they mm-hmm. lose all their sense of identity. The same thing can happen with demons. Because, like, let's say, for example, when there's a devil and they have a legion of 36 demons or 100 demons, basically what they're having control over, and usually it's a lot more than that, but depending on the devil, Uh they can also mind control the, the demons working for them in a similar sense. But with shadow people, they never have a sense of free will ever. And the biggest reason why they're separate from demons and devils is because they are both physical and metaphysical. Demons are not like that. Demons are purely metaphysical beings. Mm -hmm. And they can't manifest on our plane uh, because they are only metaphysical. They can't manifest in temporary moments, but shadow people, they can be physical for a long time. Uh, to the point where actually there's video footage, really startling video footage, where shadow people have actually been caught on camera. And you could actually see them and see them running and moving objects. And I was really thorough. I was like, okay, I'm not going to just believe anything I see on TV. Right. But um, I actually would speak to my guides about these instances, and they'll say, yeah, most of them are actually fake, but this one is legit. And it was very startling. It was actually hmm. on that show... Um, paranormal caught on camera which I, I thought that show was pretty cool they would show a lot of a lot of video footage of like people's personal home phone like phone videos uh home cameras things like yeah. that cameras personal cameras and this one person was saying i'm seeing all these crazy things happening in my house i don't know what's going on and a lot of times mm. people would think it's poltergeist or which is separate even from demons that's not even the same thing either yeah. the point is like this person was scanning the house like the bed, this bedroom mm-hmm. and you could see the bedroom physically there was no one there but then you would see just in le- less than a second a full body person laying on the bed in the mirror reflection and Hmm. And but then wow. you would realize that person wasn't even there though, and it's it's still skeptical. Yeah. But 
my gut says that was real mm. because there have been people that have seen seen shadow people. They said that they were more scary than even demons because of the physicality of them, because of them being so physically real. But that's the scary threat about it. That's what makes them different is they are both metaphysical and physical. They're multidimensional beings. They can actually change their sense and manipulate their energy frequency from matter to metaphysical. And that's what makes them extremely dangerous. So you mentioned that they're controlled by puppets or whatever, but what is controlling them? What I found out was it's almost like a queen bee kind of thing. So like there's one hmm. shadow person, but it's it's massive. It, it, it actually, yeah. like I said, I saw it and it scared the bejesus out of me. Um, it was very scary. Mm. And the way I found out was when I was seeing the shadow person and I was talking to Yehoshua, I was talking to Jesus. It was an astral realm experience. And Jesus was mm. there. And I said, so is this real? And he was like, no, it's not a real shadow person. But this is what they look like. So he was teaching me about them. So they can actually give you like positive vibrations, angels, gods, you know, Shiva, Anubis, many other kinds of gods. And even higher mm -hmm. vibrational entities like uh, Jesus or even Buddha, they can manifest things in front of you and make it mm -hmm. um, like an illusion, but for education. So you can see things and they can talk about it and it's not dangerous. The thing that made this dangerous was suddenly out of the blue, the shadow people knew that I was learning about them because they really pay close attention to humanity and somehow mm -hmm. this shadow person became alive. Huh. And the this one shadow person suddenly multiplied over a thousand wow. from this one. Mm -hmm. And that was something even demons can't do either. They can, but not, not like this. And then they dragged me through this portal... And then that's how I ended up being in their realm. And this is still in the like the astral realm, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it's like a dream experience, but it's so vivid yeah. and it's so lucid that uh, it, it, you can actually wake up from bruises from these experiences. You can wake up from huh. head wounds, headaches, dizziness, nausea, um, extreme tiredness, being lethargic. But like when I was in there, that's what I saw the the leader. And the leader was, there's several different ones, but there's not very many. And it's almost like a big, like a big brain. It was really creepy, huh. but it was definitely something that I didn't want to see. I didn't want to learn about it. I wanted just to get the hell out of there because right. it was really scary. <laughs> and one of the biggest things that really frightened me the most about it was because they were starting to communicate with me in my head and I started huh. to hear their speaking and a lot of it never made any sense at all. Like they, they didn't mm -hmm. make any sense mm -hmm. at all. And I actually started hearing the, the queen or the, the leader actually start singing this weird melody. And then it mm -hmm. started to hypnotize all the other ones. And they started doing all this one thing, like working for it and whatever. And they start giving it like energy so like these other realms of different entities, it's so hard to talk about because a lot of people think, oh my God, what drugs are you on? Can you share? <laughs> I'm like, right. I'm not on drugs. <laughs> I don't take drugs. But I get these comments all the time because it's so yeah. hard to imagine. Like people are still trying to grasp and understand and, and accept the idea of just a ghost 
God forbid, we explore the realm of shadow people. And, you know, and this is the one thing I'll say lastly is there are a lot of people that will say things like, um, well, I don't know this much, so I'm not going to say that I know this much because we will never know. I I hear this from a Mm -hmm. lot of psychics, a lot of paranormal investigators, but I can't lie and say I don't know because I know that's exactly what that's like. And yeah, that thing yeah. is, there's very few psychics that know this stuff because it's it is dangerous when you dive into those things. That knowledge, it is a risk. Like I could have died that night. I couldn't. I would have mm-hmm. been psychically captured. They would have cut my astral umbilical cord, like your astral cord, because that's how people can die in their sleep. And I would have died that day. And that was that's always a risk. And that's actually one of the reasons why a lot of people go unhinged mentally. Why they end up do becoming what people would typically call crazy is because um, when the more you see the information, the truth of what the other side is really like, mm-hmm. a lot of our brain capacity uh, can't handle that information without going completely unhinged. So that's, and that's something that even Yahoshua and even Archangel Michael explained to me was that, there's only so many people that can really handle, and I'm not saying I'm the only one. There are a lot of other people that can, but they always keep it to themselves. They never make a channel about it. They just talk about it um, because they can't take the, and it's not like I'm saying that they're weak or anything. It's it's hard. It's not easy to come out and talk about these things and say, yeah, I, I experienced this. Yeah, I saw this. This is what it's like. And I was completely sober. I wasn't on drugs. I've never taken a drug in my life. This is what I saw. This is what the experience was like. And that's the thing. It's like a lot of psychics are not very skilled in astral projection. And that's like probably the one biggest reason why even other channels don't like me is because they think I'm making this up. But the truth of the matter is when you've mastered astral projection and you've harnessed your basically your god particle you're able to travel to to realms as much as you want there's no limitation so yeah (laughs) that's that